Thank you for your presence today. During his earthly ministry, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That truth is as relevant today as it was then. If we had the mind of Christ, everything we think, say, or do would be fueled by the Spirit of God. Instead, Christians and non-Christians alike are often focused on worldly pleasures. The evidence is clear. Our emphasis is devastatingly derailed. Thus, everything God made perfect for us is broken. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander gets us back on track. Turn with us to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. This is the last message in this series. We'll culminate the series at this time. It's entitled, Where Are the Laborers? The scripture reads, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary, scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Look at verse 36, if you will. Focus on verse 36, if you're so kind enough. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherds. Where are the laborers? With that being said, what causes God's people to scatter? We see in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and, you see that word, scattered. They were scattered. The people were scattered. What causes God's people to be scattered from his church? There are about four things or so that I like to say and we'll transition. What causes God's people to be scattered from his church? Number one, pride causes God's people to be scattered. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Pride is so destructive. Pride will bring down families. Pride will bring down your personal life. As a matter of fact, Satan was kicked out of heaven because of pride. You can lose your marriage because of pride. You can lose your job. You can get a PhD and not hold a job one year because of pride, and you're still paying the the loan even though you've lost a job because of your pride. Pride will raise its ugly head in any and every one of us at any given moment. And you know the saddest thing is, is to be full of pride and don't even know you got it. Pride, Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. When any church is permeated uh, with saints who have too high of a view of themselves, this results in having wrong motives. Pride will screw up your motives. Pride will cause you to have a judgmental spirit. Pride will cause you to have condescending words to talk down to people, which is the surest way to scatter and hinder the Lord's church. Pride will cause you not to wait on folk who are not where you are spiritually. Pride will cause you to be impatient. Pride will cause you not to love people and see people through the eyes of Jesus. That pride is deadly. It is dangerous. It is disastrous. 
What causes God's people to scatter from his church? A selfish ambition will cause people to scatter from the Lord's church. In James chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Every, you know, that's big. Underline that. Every evil practice comes as a result of jealousy, comes as a result of selfish ambition. Now, if that's the case, what is selfish ambition? This is one who is primarily concerned with his or her own self-interest. This is one who is concerned with his or her promotion and achievement of themselves. This kind of person will promote themselves to gain advantage to the exclusion of others. You see that? They they will promote themselves to gain advantage to the exclusion of others. This person also possesses an enlarged ego and an eager desire to rise higher than others through ungodly means. They'll do whatever it takes to get ahead of you. They'll do whatever it takes. They'll hurt your feelings. They'll connive on you. They'll stab you in the back. They'll throw rocks and hide their hands. They'll have this agenda to achieve even to your demise. James 3.16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Because of selfish ambition. Thirdly, what causes God's people to scatter is false teachers. In Acts chapter 20, verses 27 through 31, it says, For I have not shone to teach, to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, the whole counsel of God is the entirety of the Bible. The whole Bible, the whole book, the whole counsel of God. This book didn't have a binder and all that back then, but Paul taught and taught and taught the word of the living God to the Ephesian elders. Uh, Verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. The church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It doesn't belong to deacons. It doesn't belong to elders. It doesn't belong to key people. It doesn't belong to influential people. It doesn't belong to people who've been here since the inception of the church. The church belongs to Jesus. I mean, he owns the church. You say, how do you know it? Because of what the scripture says. He, Jesus, purchased his church with his own blood. Verse 29, for I know this. That after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. In other words, people who have the wrong agenda in the church, they're not concerned about discipleship. They're just concerned about galvanizing people, uh, having stronghold on on people, uh, having people follow them instead of following Christ. Verse 31 says, therefore watch and remember that for three years, three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul knew he was leaving. And three years, Jesus taught and ministered and discipled 
his group of men that he called for three years. And then he left this business in their hand apart from Judas who betrayed him. Pastors must be faithful to teach the whole counsel of God so that the Lord's church will not fall prey, P-R-E-Y, prey to seductive false teachers and be swept away into heresy. Everyone that stands behind a pulpit is not the real deal. Every book that has Jesus on it is not biblically and theologically correct. And everybody that, that's on the radio, on the internet, you have to search the scriptures. They shouldn't just be saying what they think or what their opinion is. They ought to be saying what the word says. It ought to be in its proper context, historically, culturally, grammatically, in light of that book that passages in scriptures, letting scripture interpret the scripture to the glory of God. You want right theology. If you don't get the theology right, you can have a bunch of messed up people with wrong theology. And your time is too valuable to come to the Lord's house and hear messed up theology. Your family is too precious for you to be under any person who is dispensing false doctrine. False doctrine will cause people to scatter. Number four, what causes the church to scatter? Moral failure causes the church to scatter. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. This is in the church. This is in the Corinthian church. But I'm going to tell you something. All of the sexual immorality is not gone. There are people right under my voice in this congregation, uh, right under my voice by radio, internet, who sit in the church, who serve in the church, have positions in the church, and they're sleeping with somebody that's not their wife. Or not their husband. That's right. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. There are people under my voice who are loaded and infested with pornography. And so it's a, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. There's some things going on in the church that even the world is not doing. He says, even the world knows better than this. A man has his father's wife. Now, you know, that's low. And you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Well, I just turn my head and it shall come to pass. No, it's not going to come to pass. Sin has to be dealt with. If it doesn't, it will shipwreck the whole church. If sin is not swiftly dealt with in the Lord's church, then it becomes infectious and contaminates the whole church, which weakens and causes the church to lose her testimony before an onlooking world. First Corinthians 5, 2b says, shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? Hold it. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? Y'all see that? that? There it is. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief? Does sin bother you? I mean, when you sin with your mouth, when you say something, you say, well, I'm not committing sexual sins. It doesn't have to be that. Some of you, your mouth is out of control. You can kill a person's spirit with your mouth. You can kill a person's dream, a person's motivation. You can slander a person. You can gossip against a person. You can talk down a person. And that person never get, gets going again. And they live in, in recovery because your words are just pounded and pounded. Some husbands do it to their wives. Shame on you. 
Shame on you. It's verbal abuse. You don't edify. You don't build up. You find something wrong. You nitpick it. Some wives do it to their husbands. Some children do it to their wife. Mama, I don't like this. What are you doing this for? I don't care. Bad attitude. What? You better deal with that attitude. You better deal with it. They're eating your cornbread and your beans. They're opening your, your refrigerator. You're not going to talk to me here. If you're that grown, then go pay your own bills. Just come visit me. <laughs> then go home. I don't have to put up with your attitude if you're of age. Won't y'all say amen? amen. Sinning with your mouth. So, so you don't have to think sexual sins. Some folk have murdered folk with their mouth, with the tongue. Killed folk. Murdered folk. Are you even grieved? Does it bother you when you hurt someone? When you hurt someone? When you sin in your thoughts, your deeds, your actions, your attitudes, it ought to bother you to the point that you are driven to your knees and you look up to heaven and cry out to God and say, God, I repent. I have sinned with my mouth. Have mercy on me, Lord Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my no good cussing mouth. The scripture says in Matthew 9:37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. With that, I'd like to ask, ask a question. Why are there so few laborers for Christ in the church and world? Why are there so few workers for Christ, laborers for Christ in the church and world? Number one, there's a shortage of workers for Christ because of selfishness. People are too selfish to, to labor. Many believers are so consumed with their own interests until they are not interested in the spiritual development of other saints. They're not really interested in it. So, and it's because of selfishness. Philippians chapter two, verses three through five says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. There it is again. A vain conceit, rather in humility, value others. We're to value others. And only a person of humility can do that. Above ourselves. It's not putting ourselves above others. That's conceited. That's proud. Not looking to your own interests. It's not about you, but each of you to the interests of others. Verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, you know you're growing in Christ when you think like Christ. When Christ is at the center of your thinking, are you like Christ? If Christ is not at the center of your thinking, you are not like Christ. Christ should govern your thoughts, your thinking. Christ should arrest your thinking. And when satanic thoughts come into your mind, do y'all have satanic thoughts intruding your minds? Yes. Say amen. amen. Don't you sit up and tell me every thought come in your mind is a holy thought. Amen. amen. The devil comes in. He, he, that's right. And when that thought hit, then you are to shield that thought. You are to arrest that thought. You are to, in the name of Jesus and you are to cast that thought out. Now the thought can come in. That's not the sin. The sin is when you let it stay there. 
and let it fester and you meditate on it, you begin to think on it, and then you, get, you begin to play with it and all of a sudden it sets up a root in your mind and take over your mind. You get the thought, you get the mind, you get the man, you get the woman, you get the children. You see, so in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Number two, there is a lack of workers because of rebellion. You know why there are so few workers in the kingdom of God? It's because of rebellion. Say rebellion. Many believers know the Bible instructs us to serve, but they just refuse to do it. It's not, it's not like they don't know what's right. They just don't do it. Here's the scripture, Matthew 23, 37. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gather, gathers her chicks under her wings. Underline this, and you were not willing. You were not willing. Why do people not work? They just sit, they warm a pew, they sit an hour, a half or whatever, and they go home. They go to the movies, they go eat out, they go watch a game. Nothing wrong with that, but you need to work. You need to serve. You're called to be active and productive in the kingdom of God. You say, but why do people not work when they know they're supposed to work? It's because of, say it, rebellion. See, y'all can't even say it. It's because of what? It's because of rebellion. And rebellion is evil. I'm not doing it. I'm not giving to God my 10%. I'm not give, I'm not coming up here and pray one hour, uh, in the 12 hour prayer watch. I know it says from 6.30 in the evening to 6.30 at night and all I gotta do is choose one hour to pray, but I'm gonna stay at work, eat my lunch and go home. Now, so I know everybody can't, but many can if they make that priority in their lives. Why is it that Jesus made prayer a priority in his life, but we as his followers won't? Why is it that the word of God says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and we can't make a one-hour appointment with God to come out and pray once a year during the 12-hour prayer watch? Is that asking too much, or is it that... I heard it, but I'm just not doing it. How quiet it is now. Uh, why are there so few laborers for Christ in the church and world? Number three, the love of money keeps many Christians so preoccupied with their careers and material possessions that they cannot labor for Christ. They can't work for God. They can't labor for God because of the love of money. First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now, money in and of itself is not evil. Stop saying money is evil. Money is not evil. Stop saying you don't need money. Yeah, you need some money. And you need more than a nickel. You need more than a dime. That's right. You, yeah, you need money. You need to tell your children that too so they can get out their pocket. Listen, I'm helping you out of this house. You need money. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm educating you because I want to get you off of my dime. 
Okay. So parents ought to be saying amen. amen. Money in and of itself is not evil, but rather it is the what? Love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. When people love money, they'll steal from their mother. When people love money, they'll prostitute themselves. When people love money, they'll steal. They'll embezzle. They'll do anything when they love money. Nothing is too low for them to do. They'll gamble because they want to win the big one. They'll gamble. Oh, it is ice cold in here now. I wish they had a gambling line so I can get my gas. See, y'all slow up learning now. Y'all get, did y'all get? You know, some, some of you, you love money, you love it, love it, love it, love it. You can't make enough of it. You got, you get this, you want that. You get this, you got that. You got one gadget, you want two. iPhone 9 come out, you want i10. i10, 10 plus, 10 plus, 11, 11, 12, 13. Now your 9 was working. You just had to have more gadgets, more bells and whistles. The, the system is designed to keep you wanting. Have you ever heard a commercial on television saying, be satisfied? Use what you have and be content. I think we'll all pass out. It's all designed to leave you wanting more. And if you don't have the contentment of Christ abiding in you, you will fall right into that trap. How much is enough? How much will it take to satisfy you? Is Jesus enough for you. You need to write that down. Is he enough? If he's not enough, you're not going to be satisfied. That's going to be more clothes, more clothes, more clothes. Some of y'all got more clothes, so, so many clothes in your closet. You, it takes you an hour to find out what you're going to put on. You need to give some of that away. Weed it out. Now, some of you got stuff and you say, well, I'm going to get back down to that size. And it's 10 years later. You're not going, stop fooling yourself. You're not getting back down. Go and give it away. <laughs> Invite me in your house so I can help you give it away. <laughs> I give it away. I give it away. I give it away. I give, I give it away. Give it away. So you, you can't take it with you. Okay, weed your closet out so you can just breathe and not take, not be late getting to church because you're trying to mix and match. Look at y'all. Oh, I stepped on some feet then. <laughs> when people love it, love money, they will do anything to get it. The money that God brings into our possession can be used to glorify him or it can be used to promote our selfish agenda. You either go glorify God with the money in acknowledgement that everything belongs to him. Anytime God brings money into my possession, I lift it up before God. I lift it all up before God. I lift my wallet up before God. I lift the funds up before God. I lift the envelope. I lift it all before God. I say, God, this is yours. I lift a checkbook. I just put it all in there. I just put it all. You got y'all listen. I put it. I say, God, everything I got is yours. And without you, I wouldn't have nothing. God, will you show me how to use this? Will you show me how to acknowledge you first? You said seek first the kingdom of God. 
Father, I realize you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings and I'll not have room enough to receive it. Lord, help me not to cheat or shortchange you. Lord, I thank you that I have funds coming into my possession because of your goodness to me. I don't deserve nothing you have given me. As a matter of fact, if you don't give me another thing, you've already given me far more than I deserve. Do I have any witnesses here? Many believers are so consumed with money, with making more money, that the work of the kingdom is left undone. It's all about work. You become a workaholic at the expense of your family, your health, your church. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek me first and live righteously. I will make sure you lack no good thing. I'll work out things on your behalf. I'll make ways out of no ways. I'll give you this and that. But you got to walk by faith and not by sight. Number four, why are there so few laborers in the church and world. Number four, many saints cannot work in ministry because of their own spiritual immaturity. They're too immature to work. If you put spiritual babies to work prematurely, they get saved and then you you put them over ministries. You put them in leadership. You got little novices leading people. You will have more mess than you can clean up. That is why it is so important that we have discipleship and get the saints to grow up so that they can impact the kingdom, so that the church can be blessed. We don't want the church to just grow numerically. We want the church to grow spiritually. Listen, I'd rather have 200 people that are spiritual than to have 2,000 that's unspiritual. That will send me to an early grave. That's right. Because everything's an issue. Everybody's fighting over everything. Everybody's looking at everybody cockeyed. Everybody got a problem, but you got 2,000. I got 2,000 people who are full of mess. I'd rather have 200 spiritually immature. Gideon only had 300. God whittled him down to 300. But those 300 wiped out the Midianites. God doesn't need the a Bible crowd tells to us do to his fear business. not, for God is with us. Be not dismayed, for he is our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. We must not be afraid, nor ashamed, nor slothful. We must be bold. We must be willing. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is able and he won't fail. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas or call us at 210-821-5683.